welcome to the About Health and Hormones podcast. I am so excited that you're here. I really can't believe it. I've been thinking about doing this for so long, and I'm just excited that we're finally getting going because I have so much that I want to share when it comes to our health and our hormones. And I do share a lot of information. I share a lot over on Instagram. I share a lot, obviously, in my courses and when I work with people one-on-one. But I felt like when it came to publicizing information and especially sharing things on social media, I was just feeling like I could not really give over everything that I wanted to give over on such a short form content medium, you know, meaning whenever I would post a story on Instagram, I would get cut off. And every single carousel post that I would make also gets cut off. I always have so much that I want to say. And I was finding it hard to shrink things down into small, short form content because I think when it comes to our health and hormones, it's long form content. It's stuff that you really need to dive deep and take the time to get into. And for a while, I've been thinking, okay, it's time to figure out a different way to do this. And that's really how I got here. So I'm so excited that you're all here and listening. I really appreciate it. And in this episode, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what this podcast is really going to be about. And it's called Welcome to the Hormone Jungle because that's what I call this whole crazy world of women's health and hormones. I really do feel like it's a jungle. I'm still figuring out my way through it. And I'm really, really passionate about teaching women about their hormonal health because of everything that I went through trying to get here. So before we dive too deep into the hormone stuff, I'm going to back up for a second and tell you about how I got here to the point where I even cared or knew anything about my health and hormones. So taking it back to when I was growing up, I was literally never, ever interested in health. It was not something I ever thought about. I loved food. I was always a foodie. I loved baking. I was actually really into baking. Um, I had this whole fancy cake decorating kit and I would invite friends over and tell my parents to invite people over all the time because I loved cooking for people. I always say food is my love language. If any of you are familiar with the five love languages, I added a sixth, which is food. And that really felt like the way that I connected to people and showed myself a lot of love. And yeah, I just loved food. I always grew up in a really thin body. And so I never thought that there was any reason for me to change the way I was eating because I was eating tons of sugar and junk food. I didn't really eat a lot of vegetables, um, didn't really have many balanced meals because I just, I didn't feel like I needed it. And I, like many people, unfortunately, mistakenly believed that having a thin body was equated to being healthy and being overweight was equated to being unhealthy, which I now know so much better. That's not true at all whatsoever. But while I was growing up, I didn't really see any reason to be paying attention to what I was eating in any other context other than what food do I want to eat? What will be the tastiest to me? And that's kind of how I made decisions around food. And the only reason I even started learning about nutrition and how food affects our body is because of fertility. So I was basically going about my life, eating, having fun. And then when I was 23... I had gotten married and my husband and I were trying to get pregnant. And I kind of realized early on into the journey that something was just off. And I didn't know how to explain it. I just had this feeling in my body like something is not right. And I, I don't know how to put my finger on it, but I just feel like this is not going to go easily. This is not going to be a smooth journey. And there were I would say there was really just one major red flag that I recognized, which is that I didn't get a period every month. So 
it's hard to say what even happened before I was married because I don't really remember. I wasn't tracking it so much in high school, but I think my periods were always a little bit farther apart than most people's. You know, I'd get it every six weeks, every eight weeks, I'd skip it here and there. And I always thought that was a good thing because who wants to be dealing with their period all the time, right? I thought the less often I get it, the better. And that was all well and good until I was trying to get pregnant. And then I was like, hey, I feel like I don't have a fair shot at this because I'm not really having a cycle every month. And so I never really knew what was going on. I never really knew when I should be trying. I was trying to figure out what these ovulation predictor kits and just could not ever see a positive. So I started looking into things and I went to one doctor here in Israel and they told me, you're totally fine. Don't worry about it. Keep trying. And you know, if it doesn't go well at 12 months, you'll come back. And I wasn't really satisfied with that. So I ended up going to my doctor in New York when I was on a trip there visiting my family. And my doctor in New York also told me, don't worry, you're fine. You know, you get a period every 60 days or so, no problem. It's normal. You're fine. And if it's not, you'll come back after it's been 12 months of trying and then we'll deal with it. And I felt very, very frustrated. Um, Even before that one year mark, I had been really, I just really wanted to be a mom. I felt like I couldn't wait to grow up and get married so that I could be a mom. I always loved kids. I loved being a counselor in camp. At that time, I was actually teaching. I had been teaching first, second, and third graders. I really just, I loved kids. I could not wait to be a mom and watching people around me get pregnant and just feeling so confused. Like, why is this not happening to me was completely, utterly heartbreaking. And the anxiety started to really consume me and it affected me in every single area of my life. It affected me on a personal level. It affected my marriage a lot. It affected my social life a ton because I started getting really anxious about going out. If I saw someone who was very recognizably pregnant, I literally would sometimes start crying and not be able to handle my emotions in a composed way. And that was really, really just not comfortable. Um, So it was starting to take a major toll on my life. And I also just kept having this feeling like something is weird. Something is off. Now, also, at this point in hindsight, I can look back and see that there were many other weird things going on with my health, but they were not things that I recognized at the time as any kind of red flag symptom. So just to give you a couple of examples, I had horrible, horrible PMS. Like I would want to lie in bed for a few days the week before I was getting my period. I felt depressed. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was so irritable and so moody, but like to the point where I really wasn't myself and then I would snap out of it right when I got my period. Um, But I just thought, you know, everybody gets PMS. That's how it goes. And then I would also probably once or twice a month, I had these stomach aches that were crazy. I actually would tell my husband all the time, I really think my appendix is bursting. Let's go to the emergency room. And he was like, are you sure? And I was like, I don't know. I don't really want to go to the emergency room. I'm really scared of surgery. And then it would inevitably always just be a terrible stomach ache. It would pass. And that was happening like once or twice a month. I had also been dealing with eczema for most of my life on and off, but I was on steroids for my eczema. At some point in my early 20s, I also started noticing that on the back of my head where where like I would start making a braid or where my ponytail would be, I started having this really itchy, flaky skin. And I went to the dermatologist and they diagnosed me with psoriasis, which is an autoimmune condition. And I didn't really know what it was, but they gave me some prescription shampoo and cream to put on it. And I was like, okay, I didn't think twice about the fact that all these things were happening. Also around this time while I was trying to get pregnant, I had the first experience of my life with a UTI, which if you've never had a UTI, I am so happy for you because I didn't have one until I was like 23 or 24 years old. And I literally thought I was dying. I remember we had flown to America for my brother's wedding 
And I was on the plane back when it started. And I literally thought I was going to die on that airplane. And I couldn't get to the doctor because we were on the plane. I was freaking out. I couldn't Google anything. And whatever, I ended up going to the doctor, got antibiotics. It was all fine. And then it happens again a few months later. And then it happened again a few months later. And now I could look at that and be like, oh my gosh, gut health. There were so many things going on. But at the time, I was just like, this is another annoying thing I have to add to my list. And the truth is, I just didn't think about all these different things in my body being connected. I was really consumed with what was going on for me with work, with my social life, with my marriage, with trying to get pregnant. But I really didn't understand anything about how my body works. And I didn't even feel like I had the language to think about, okay, this is happening. What's the root cause? What is the underlying reason that this is happening? Is there a way to not just treat these symptoms, but prevent them? There was no language for that in my head. And so I just kept going to the doctor whenever I needed to go to the doctor and things would, you know, get better and then they would get worse. And all the while I'm trying to get pregnant, not having any success, not even understanding what's going on. And so then I ended up going to a different doctor at 12 months and they said, okay, it's time for you to see a fertility specialist. You've been trying for 12 months. You haven't gotten pregnant. Let's go do all these tests for you. And we're going to send you this fertility clinic. So I said, okay, finally. And honestly, at that point, I was excited for this appointment because I felt like at least now I'm going to get some answers and I'm going to have an action plan. And apparently, for whatever reason, I thought you go to a fertility clinic and you walk out with some kind of prescription that will help you get pregnant. So I remember being on the way to that appointment. We were sitting in the car and I'm sitting there on Google Calendar trying to calculate what my due date is going to be based off of this appointment. Because like I genuinely thought within the next couple of weeks, I was going to get pregnant after going to this appointment. And I was very disappointed to learn that's absolutely not how it works. But basically what happened at this appointment was that the doctor had looked at my blood work. They did an ultrasound And they said, listen, you have a classic case of PCOS. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Like, what did you just PCO what? And they just started launching into, these are the treatment methods. We're going to start with ovulation inducing drugs for you. And if those don't work, we're going to move on to IUI. And if that doesn't work, we're going to move on to IVF. And they started explaining how they are going to uh, do the ovulation inducing drugs. And all the while my head is just spinning and still trying to wrap myself up with this diagnosis of PCOS that I had... I'd actually heard of it once. I heard someone once randomly actually talking about it on a podcast, but I didn't really know what it was. And I didn't know anybody or I didn't realize I knew anybody who had had it. Turns out later on, I found out many people that I know actually have it. But at the time, I didn't know what it was. And it was a lot to handle. There was definitely relief in that moment of, again, finally having a diagnosis like, hey, I'm not crazy. I had definitely started to question, is something just wrong with me? Is something wrong with my body? Is something wrong with me and my husband, like what's going on. And even though, yes, this was a diagnosis saying not everything is perfectly functioning at a healthy way inside of you, I at least felt like, okay, this is a thing people know about it. It's really common. And the doctor seemed really, really confident that even though I had PCOS, he said, you're a great candidate for these fertility treatments. You're the type who, you know, we would start on these treatments and expect to see good results. So I wouldn't be so worried, but you're not going to get pregnant naturally. And that was definitely tough to hear. I remember thinking in that moment, I never thought I would be someone who would have to go through fertility treatments. At that point, I had definitely heard of IVF and IUI and all these different things. And I just felt like that's not for me, like that's for other people. I never thought in a million years I would have to go through this. And there was a really big 
processing that I had to do around this. And I was like, okay, you know what? If this is what we have to do to build our family, it's okay. People do it. We're going to be really strong. I don't know how we're going to get through it, but we're going to get through it. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. You know, give me the drugs, give me twins. And the doctor was like, what are you talking about? This is not how it works. You have to go do all of these different preliminary tests. And he explains to me, you know, having twins, I know you feel like you just want to have the baby yesterday, but there's a lot of risks involved with multiple pregnancies. And I was just like, oh my gosh, wait a second. I thought I was going to this appointment to get answers and close the chapter on this journey. And I wasn't. I realized I was signing up for a much longer road and everything that we had been doing until now was really just like the pre-warm-up stretch before a huge marathon. And I I was just dejected and I couldn't believe that I wasn't walking out with a prescription right away. So I made all these appointments to do the preliminary tests, things like getting your fallopian tubes checked and a bunch of other blood tests. And I made my appointments and there was really nothing I could do until I had those appointments and had those results. But wait, So we went home and I started going on the internet like many people do and looking up PCOS and all these different things about it. What can I do if I have PCOS? And I came across all these stories on the internet of people who basically had changed the way they had eaten and gotten pregnant even if they had PCOS. And at the time for me, I genuinely thought I was listening to like witchy, weirdo, crazy woo-woo people who were sharing these stories, except I saw a lot of pictures on the internet. These people didn't look crazy and weird and wacky and alternative. I had all these conceptions about it, but I, I just was like, that's so not me. And also I don't even eat vegetables. How would I ever do this? Like at that point in my life, my dinner almost every night was pasta followed with ice cream. My breakfast were banana chocolate chip muffins. And I had ice cream every single day. Like I just could not imagine how I would ever even go about changing my diet but I kept reading story after story. And I just felt like I'm so desperate and I'm so done. I was so tired at that point of trying to get pregnant. And that realization that we were at the beginning of a much longer road was really, really scary to me because I just felt like, I don't know if I could do this. I'm so, so tired. So if this is something that could maybe even speed it up a little bit, you know what, what do I have to lose? Let me just give it a try. So I started changing the way I was eating And I made a lot of really major changes, especially in the beginning. I cut out sugar, which for me was a crazy thing to do because I was a self-proclaimed sugar addict. Baking was a huge part of my identity. I, I loved sweets. Like I really loved sweets. And I don't just say love the same way that everybody says, oh, you know what? I love the color purple. Like I genuinely had loving feelings for sugar. And I felt like sweet foods and really yummy, delicious food had been there for me through everything through, you know, when I was stressed about studying for tests and when I had been through breakups and when I was celebrating things, when I got engaged, my husband proposed to me with a customized pint of Ben and Jerry's. Okay. It was literally there for me through everything. And it really did feel in a lot of ways, like going through a breakup and I was really bitter about it, but I was also like, let me just try this. I have to try this. So I started one day at a time I definitely was not perfect in the beginning, but I started one day at a time trying to have these really nutritious meals for breakfast, for lunch and dinner, trying to have healthy snacks. I went into, I remember I went to this health food store to get all of these ingredients that I didn't even know what they were, like chia seeds and coconut oil. And I felt like I was in a foreign country. I remember actually when my husband and I went on our honeymoon, 
we went to Thailand. And one of the coolest things to do in Thailand was go to 7-Eleven because they have 7-Eleven everywhere in Thailand, which looks really familiar to an American, but all of the things in there were really unfamiliar. Like they have seaweed flavored chips and all sorts of interesting flavors of things we kind of recognize. And it was like a commodity to go see all these interesting foods that we never could have even imagined. That's what I felt like going to my local health food store. I I was like, I don't even know who to ask questions to here. I felt very out of my element. And then when I tried cooking and baking with these things, I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. A lot of the things that I made in the beginning did not taste great, but I started finding little ways to make it more enjoyable. I learned that making really good roasted garlic aioli, um, not garlic aioli, but like a garlic confit, and I would put that on any vegetable. That would help me eat a lot of veggies in the beginning. And I just started experimenting and finding really fun recipes and tried to have fun with it. And I'll be honest, I didn't really feel so excited about any of this until about two weeks into trying to change my diet when I woke up one morning and my skin, which my skin on my face had always had a lot of eczema. I used steroid cream to treat it and manage it, but I had times in my life where the eczema around my eyes was so bad. It was cracked. It was bleeding. I would have to wear sunglasses indoors. I remember during some classes when I was in college because it was just so, it was so bad. My face was bleeding. And I woke up about two weeks into this and it was as if someone had come and given me a skin transplant overnight. And I remember I woke my husband up and I was like, feel my eyes. Look at my eyes. Look at my face. This is crazy. And I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, okay, listen, if this is a side effect and a nice bonus that I get here, that's pretty good because eczema was something that literally I've always had to deal with. It was annoying. It wasn't what I entered into this whole health journey for, but I was like, okay, I'll take it. And then a few days later, I started noticing that my energy was really different. So I had also dealt with a lot of anxiety. I would say I had pretty high baseline anxiety levels. And I really woke up one day, I was driving to work. And I one thing that often I noticed one day when I was driving to work, one thing that often stressed me out was getting stuck in traffic. And I would go through these mental thought loops of, oh my gosh, I'm stuck in traffic. My boss is going to be so mad at me. I'm going to get here late. I'm going to get fired. Even though in Israel, when there's traffic, everybody is late. It's not like I was irresponsible and left late. And usually the days that there was that there was crazy traffic, everybody would show up late to work. And so this was just this mental loop I would get stuck in that wasn't really aligned with reality. Also, people don't really get fired where I was working as a school teacher for showing up a little bit late. Um, But I noticed one day I was sitting in traffic and I just felt calm. And I was like, okay, I'm late or I will be late. So will probably most of the staff because there's this crazy accident and it's going to be fine. And I had never, ever been able to have a thought like that and genuinely feel calm in my body. And I remember just thinking, this is this is new. And I think this is because of the way that I'm eating. And another thing I started noticing in those first couple of weeks is that I was starting to fall asleep really easily. So also before all of this, I had always struggled with sleep. I'm still a very, very light sleeper but it took me hours to fall asleep. I would toss and turn and need to read and have all the conditions be exactly right. I sleep with an eye mask and earplugs. It's like a whole situation. And I also used to take sleep aids. So that could be anything from melatonin to Unisom to Ambien once or twice. I mean, I really just felt like I needed 
external help in the form of drugs to help me sleep. And it really freaked me out that I felt kind of reliant on this as a young 20-year-old. I had once read, I once took one of my mom's magazines. I don't know if it was Elle or Vogue or something. And I read some article about this woman who almost died in the bathtub because she was addicted to sleep medication and she fell asleep while taking a bath. And I was always like, I really do not like that I take sleep aids every night. But it, you know, just melatonin is not so bad. It's kind of natural. At least that's what I'd heard. I never even really looked into it. I just knew it was something that could help you and you didn't need a prescription to get it. And then I was all of a sudden, for the first time in many, many years, just falling asleep without taking sleep medication. And I was like, honestly, this if I could just have a good night's sleep every night, I started feeling so much better from that. It would have been worth it just to do it for the good night's sleep. But obviously, I was really in it to get pregnant. So I keep going week after week. I'm starting to get a little bit more consistent, starting to learn a little bit more about nutrition and how it affects PCOS. And then about two months in, I started getting a more regular period. So before that, it had been pretty much every two months I was getting a period, more or less. And then I started getting it every 35, 36 days. And I was like, okay, this is really, really significant. Because also at that point, I had done the preliminary tests. I was cleared by my doctor to start the ovulation-inducing drugs. He was like, okay, let's go. Whenever you get your next period, come in and we'll start the process. And I just had this little voice inside of me that was like, I'm experiencing all of these amazing changes in my body. And so many of the other things that I mentioned before also just went away, the UTIs and the stomach aches, and I was having more energy and my skin was clear. I really felt like for the first time in my life, I actually felt really good in my body. I felt physically so good in a way that I never had before. And it's kind of like a fish doesn't know that it's in water. I don't think I realized how bad I felt in my body. I mean, I was 24, 22 to 24 years old. I never thought of myself as someone who didn't feel good. That was just what I was used to. And as a person, I just have a lot of energy. I have a big personality. So I never felt like it was really holding me back. But I started to think about, wow, what could I do now that I have so much energy? It changed the way that I was showing up to work. It changed the kinds of things I wanted to do with my husband. Like He was someone who always likes to wake up and watch sunrise and go on hikes and be adventurous. And I was like, I'm just always too tired to do literally anything. I want to sit on the couch and do nothing all the time. And I started being like, yeah, let's go. Let's go to the beach. Let's go watch sunrise. Let's go travel and do things. And so when we had the choice to start treatments, I said, you know what? I'm feeling really good about this. I just have this voice inside of me saying, you know what, Lauren, wait one more month. Just give it one more shot. And then after this, the treatments are there. They're waiting for you. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So we decided to delay fertility treatments and we tried one more time and I ended up getting pregnant on that cycle with my daughter, Eden, who's now two and a half years old, almost three. Oh my gosh. And once that happened, once I got pregnant, I just felt like, how could no one have told me about this? It literally felt like a miracle happened to me. And I read these crazy stories about people on the internet, but now I had this crazy story and I couldn't believe it. And I was just like, how, how did nobody tell me about this? How did I not know about this from my doctors or really from anything? Because I also, I, I don't mean to say this in an arrogant way, but I'm a smart girl. I'm a well-educated girl. I was always reading books since... I think I taught myself to read when I was like four years old. And I 
I was in advanced bio classes and in honors all the time in high school. And when I started university, I did my first semester of university at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore. I spent a semester there before transferring to IDC or now it's Reichman University in Israel because I really wanted to be living in Israel. But I I took courses in neuroscience and the human gut microbiome in Johns Hopkins. Like I was aware of certain things in terms of how the body worked. I had taken, I don't even know how many bio classes by the time I finished my degree. I studied psychology and I minored in biology. And it never came up that food affects our hormones in this way that affects our skin and affects our fertility and our periods. I mean, I think we maybe mentioned, you know, eating healthy and getting exercise can help you if you have some sort of mental health issue, but it was never anything deeper than that. And I just couldn't believe nobody had ever told me this. And so I said, you know what? I'm not ready to share what's been going on. I had told a lot of my friends that I was changing the way that I was eating, but none of them knew why. I just told them, you know, I have some blood sugar issues going on. Also, We had a very strong family history of diabetes. A close family member had been diagnosed with diabetes not long before. And at this point, I had also been diagnosed with insulin resistance. So when people ask me about why I changed the way I eat, I kind of just told them about the insulin resistance. I wanted to leave the whole fertility piece out of it. But once I was ready to start sharing my pregnancy with close friends, I told them, you know, that's part of why I've been doing this. And I got pregnant naturally. And everyone was like, this is just the craziest story. How did none of us even, I've never heard of anything like this. And I'm also, I'm really just not this wacky woo-woo person. So I think when I was sharing my story amongst friends, amongst family members, they were like, this is really crazy, but people believed me because I have a very grounded way of sharing it um, where I'm not like, you know, all the energies of the foods changed my life. It wasn't like that. I was just like, I don't know how it really happens either, except that I do know because now I've also been learning more about food and nutrition. And when you really understand biology and you learn about the digestive system and the gut microbiome, it actually makes a lot of sense. And so at this point, I wanted to learn more. I was becoming obsessed with nutrition and I thought, this is crazy that this could heal our bodies. And I know that I am not the only person out there who is struggling with trying to get pregnant. So I really want, I want more people to have this information. And when I was finally in my third trimester, I ended up having a really challenging pregnancy. I was high risk. I ended up being diagnosed with gestational diabetes and it was COVID. So there was just a lot of regulations and rules and scary things. I was very nervous about giving birth. And so I decided to wait until I was in my third trimester to share this story publicly. I had been on Instagram for a while, just sharing all my baked goods. And when I would go out to restaurants, if you're here from the old days, you know, it was Lauren's Food. I spelled it L-O-R-Y-N-S-F-O-O-D, Lauren's Food. And it was just like my foodie adventures all around. So I had a bunch of friends following me. It was mostly friends and some people who were kind of friends of friends who thought it was fun to just see the food I was eating. But then also on Instagram, I had shared, I'm I'm making all these healthier dishes. I'm trying to take care of my health right now. And a lot of people had told me, you know, I saw that and thought it was kind of weird. It seems so unlike you. And then I shared on Instagram, you know, a lot of people know I've changed my diet recently. This is why. And I shared my whole story of getting diagnosed with PCOS and how my body had changed since I started eating differently. And the feedback and the amount of people who reached out to me was beyond overwhelming. I mean, I had dozens and dozens and dozens of people reaching out to me telling me how they had also been struggling with fertility. They also had PCOS. I had friends who I had known forever who told me they had PCOS. I never even knew. And it was just so interesting to me that 
so many women were dealing with this and yet none of us knew anything about it. And none of us really knew where to start. And when I was talking about the changes I was making in Buddha, I had all these people starting to ask me, what did you do? Tell me what you did. I want to be able to do that because I'm suffering. I have irregular periods. I've been trying to get pregnant for two years and on and on and on. And so I had decided because I was so interested in just learning more of the science about this, I had been taking a couple of classes and then I said, you know what? I don't know where this is going to lead, but I want to just be able to share more information about this. And so I decided to get certified as a nutrition coach and I specialized in women's hormonal health and fertility. And I started just diving into this information and it was like, I was just thirsty for it. I couldn't stop reading books about hormones and fertility and understanding our cycle. And I really got introduced to this whole world. And I just started learning more about how diet plays a role in chronic illness and all these different diet and lifestyle factors affect so many different things about our body. And I just could not believe that I I hadn't known any of this beforehand. Again, I considered myself a really educated, smart person. And I was like, I didn't know anything about this. I just thought I could eat brownies for the rest of my life every single day for basically every single meal and be fine. I just I'm at a healthy weight. Why would it matter? And I was learning how how wrong that was and how much in our society we are not really taught about how food works in our body, how our hormones work, how our health works. And I felt like women really just, we just deserve to know this information because in a lot of ways, it's really hard to make diet and lifestyle changes. It's hard. I would never say that it was an easy journey for me. But once I got into it and once I got into the rhythm of it, and I also started feeling amazing, I felt like it was a hundred times easier than going down the road to fertility treatments. And the story that I shared, that's really only talking about trying to get pregnant for the first time after my daughter was a little bit older and I started thinking about wanting to get pregnant again. I felt like at that point, I knew every single thing that I could do in order to try and optimize my fertility to the highest degree. So I was just eating super clean, super nutrient-dense meals that I knew were so good for my egg quality. And I was doing acupuncture and I was doing yoga and doing all these meditations for fertility. And I actually look back on the time when I was prepping my body for pregnancy the second time as one of the best times of my life. I think it was the best shape I've ever been in. Mentally, I felt so good. Energetically, I felt so good. And I ended up getting pregnant on the second try. And I was like, this was such a a blissful introduction into pregnancy. And everybody deserves to be able to at least know that this is an option and if they want to do it, to try to do it. And so that's really how I got started. That's how I got started sharing information. And then I started working with women. And from there, it really, it just blew up. And so many women, unfortunately, are struggling with their hormones, with their health. And I have just been working to create content, to create courses and programs And through my one-on-one coaching, just teach women, there are so many things that we could do in terms of diet and lifestyle choices that give you ownership and give you agency to help your body feel better and really help balance your hormones. And so that's how I got into what I call this whole hormone jungle craziness. And I want to talk a little bit more about what this hormone jungle is and what's going on in the world right now, because There are so many women out there suffering from hormone imbalances and the statistics around it are crazy. So let me just share a couple of them with you. At least 75% of women have painful periods 
85% of women experience PMS. Somewhere between 8 and 13% of women have PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is what I have. And that may be responsible for up to 70% of the fertility issues that women experience. At least 10% of women have endometriosis. One in six women, one in six women, this is a crazy number, are now seeking help for fertility challenges. Hypothyroidism is affecting 30 million women worldwide, and women are 10 times more likely to develop a thyroid condition than men. And one study that I love to share with people, because I think this is so important for us to just realize how ubiquitous these health issues are, is that one study looked at Americans' metabolic fitness, meaning how well are they able to metabolize foods, especially carbohydrates and sugars. And the study found that 88% of Americans are metabolically unfit. 88%. That's like almost nine out of every 10 people in a room are struggling metabolically at some level. And one in six women, I mean, think of how many times you've been around six women, the statistics that one in six women are seeking help for fertility challenges. It's just, honestly, it's just not normal. It doesn't make sense that it's 2023 and medical technology has advanced as far as it has, and we're still experiencing these issues at such a high rate. And this was one of the things that I found so interesting when I started learning more about this. Why are these statistics so high? Why are so many women suffering from all of these sorts of hormone imbalances and fertility issues? And so one thing that I want to introduce you to are just a couple of the underlying reasons that could play a role, not that necessarily cause all of these things because it's so much more complex than saying poor diet causes X condition. It almost never works like that. It's nearly always some kind of combination of genetics and diet and lifestyle and environmental factors beyond our control. But I want to talk a little bit about some of the different factors that are affecting our hormones and could be exacerbating issues that we might have a genetic predisposition to and making them worse. So first, of course, I'm going to just talk about diet and nutrition because that's that's how I got into all of this. That was the doorway that opened my whole health journey up. And so Americans especially are known to have a really unhealthy diet. The standard American diet, it's been shown in tons and tons of studies, is not good for our overall health. And our hormones and our fertility are a reflection of our overall health. And the standard American diet is really, really high in processed foods. It's high in added sugars. And this does a number of things. But first of all, it sets us up for lots of blood sugar imbalance. And that, as I'll talk about more in detail in other episodes, that really starts to set our hormones off on this domino effect of being out of control and out of whack. We also are just eating all the time. The quantity, the timing of the way that we're eating on the standard American diet it's a lot of food all the time. Our digestive system almost never gets a break. And that's just a lot. It's a lot of work on the body. And when we're spending so much energy digesting, we don't have as much energy to spend on healing and repairing and building neurotransmitters and hormones. And so the nonstop culture of food and tons of food and gluttonous portion sizes is just really not serving our overall health. It ends up leading to things like gut microbiome issues, to inflammation, to unbalanced blood sugar, like I mentioned before. And all of those can play a role in different ways in different kinds of hormone imbalances. 
Another area that is affecting our hormone health is the disruption in our circadian rhythms. While our menstrual cycle is unique to women, the circadian rhythm is not unique to women. Actually, a lot of mammals operate on a circadian rhythm and men operate on the circadian rhythm, which is basically our body's clock that recognizes when it's daytime, when it's light outside, and when we're supposed to be awake and active, and when it's dark and nighttime and we're supposed to be resting and go to sleep. And a lot of this is dictated by our light exposure. So if you're going outside, you're spending time in nature, your eyes, when they're exposed to natural sunlight at the correct times, they help the body set the circadian rhythm where you're going to have cortisol produced in the morning and melatonin produced at night to help you wake up and feel energized and go to sleep and feel tired. But there are so many different things that are interrupting this. A big one of them is screens, artificial light in general. When the sun goes down by us, I know we turn on the lights indoors. We don't sit in the dark. We look at screens, which are especially disruptive to this process because the screens have blue light that can really inhibit melatonin production at night. And I know so many of us, I definitely do it too. Sometimes we like to sit and scroll on our phones before bed or watch Netflix before bed. And that disruption in the cortisol and melatonin production can really alter a bunch of our other hormones. Our circadian rhythm is also dictated by the amount of meals that we eat. So our body's keeping track when we eat food that tells us, okay, it's another day we're eating food. This is an active time. And when we're eating a lot late at night, that can also cause disruptions in the circadian rhythm. Another factor that is causing these crazy high statistics of hormone imbalances are exposures to endocrine disrupting chemicals. And this is a whole episode in and of itself, but endocrine disrupting chemicals are basically different chemicals that either mimic our hormones or block our hormones or affect the efficacy of our hormones. And they're basically everywhere in everything. They're in all the plastic that we touch. They're in our processed food items. They're in tons of personal care products like shampoo and conditioner and makeup and laundry detergent and cleaning supplies. And again, I'm not going to dive too deep into it right now, but that's another factor that I know I had never even thought once about before I went on this whole health journey. I never thought about how the different products that I was interacting with were having an effect on my endocrine system. Another factor that's affecting our hormone health is stress. And it really is more than just feeling stress. Like, oh, I have a test coming up. I have to study. I'm really nervous about it. And I feel this stress in the moment getting ready for the test. It's, I think, something so much greater than that. I don't even know what the right word is to use. Maybe the underlying stressful frequency of just being alive in our culture. I think especially when it comes to women, there is this cultural attitude towards being a woman and women's health that is so overwhelmingly negative. And if you just think about all the media or all the conversations you've heard about periods, menopause, pregnancy, labor, I feel like the vast majority of the content that we consume or the conversations that we engage in are overwhelmingly negative. And this is not to say that people shouldn't be able to vent when they're really struggling with their hormones. I had very, very difficult pregnancies. Believe me, I had many, many negative conversations about them. But I just feel like as a whole, we almost view the experience of women's hormonal health and being a woman and going through all of these different phases of life as negative. We're kind of just taught that these things suck and we're forced to suck it up. And we don't even learn 
how it works. We don't even learn that there's actually so much wisdom in the female body. And one, and I know that it actually really helped me build my relationship with my body when I learned about how ovulation works and how things like cervical mucus help select the best sperm. And just the whole process of ovulation is a crazy thing biologically. And when you really learn about it and you can appreciate it and see that the way that you eat food and the way that you manage stress affects all of it, because your body is always, always trying to protect you, your body might say, if you're not feeding me enough, if you're not feeding me enough of the right foods, if you're super stressed, you know what? I don't want to engage in this whole really energetically draining process of being pregnant. And I don't mean energy just like, oh, I need to have enough energy to be pregnant. I mean, caloric energy. It takes a lot of caloric energy to build a baby and be pregnant. And if your body feels like food is scarce or there's too much stress in the environment, it's not the time. And it's better to just focus on absolute survival. And that's our body's way of trying to protect us. And I know that was actually so healing for me to learn that when I wasn't getting pregnant, it wasn't because my body was going against me, which I had always been stuck in that thought loop of what's wrong with my body. I hate my body. Why is my body doing this to me? My body really was trying. It was trying to protect me and say to me, Lauren, you're not treating me the way that I need to be treated in order to be able to support a pregnancy. And I didn't even get into the body image and beauty standards and all of those pieces that can play into this, especially throughout you know, doing fertility treatments, trying to get pregnant postpartum. But there is just this really, really intense and a lot of times intensely negative energy surrounding women's hormones and women's health. And I don't just mean this in a woo-woo way, but it really does take a toll on our hormones. I mean, when you produce excess cortisol, it blocks progesterone. It can actually block you from ovulating. It can delay your period from coming. It can lengthen your cycles. It it can affect your metabolism. I mean, there's just so many ways that stress affects us. And so that's another really, really significant factor that's affecting us. And I think in our world, that's so go, go, go. And we're so disconnected from all of this information and wisdom from our bodies. It's one of the main contributing factors why these statistics are just so high. So what I am hoping to do with this podcast is dive deeper into all of those different topics, whether it's diet, nutrition, circadian rhythm, stress, exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals, everything in between, because I really, really believe that women deserve to have this information. We deserve to be educated about our bodies and we really deserve to feel good in our bodies. I think I always say I entered this whole world because I just wanted to get pregnant. And I always said to my husband, once I get pregnant, just hand over the Ben and Jerry's. I don't really care after that. And I ended up sticking around for this because I just felt so good in my body. And I realized it's such a different experience to go through life in a body that feels good and is functioning the way that it's supposed to be, as opposed to always feeling tired and feeling run down and lacking energy and having a hard time falling asleep. And I know for some people, it's hard to really feel motivated to make changes if they're like, well, I don't feel that bad. Even though I didn't think I felt bad at the time, I realized very quickly that I was feeling bad. And that's why I started feeling so much, so different. Not long after I had started, I started feeling a significant difference. And the difference made it really clear, oh, I had been feeling really bad. I just didn't recognize it. But I know that it's it's really hard for a lot of people to have that motivation if they feel like they're not actually feeling so bad in their bodies. And I get that. 
I still want people to have the information because I know so many people who said, you know, Lauren, your story is amazing, but none of that really applies to me. I had two kids really easily. And then they end up messaging me, you know, trying to get pregnant with the third. And all of a sudden my cycles are weird and my thyroid's acting up. And, you know, I've never had this before, but now I feel like my periods aren't so regular and I'm feeling really bloated. And I think that it's about so much more than fertility. It's about so much more than just making sure your periods are on time. This is really about being able to live in a body where you show up and you're able to do whatever it is that you want to do at the highest level. So I want you to feel amazing because I think it's hard. I think it's really hard to go through our modern lives and show up with good energy. And I know especially a lot of people who are listening are moms or want to be moms. And just in terms of motherhood, I think it's really hard to show up and have patience for your kids and want to do fun things with them and not want to collapse when they keep you up all night like my kids did last night and be active members in our communities and be a good friend and a good sister and a good wife and have really strong relationships. And those were all things that changed so much when I got healthier. My relationship with myself changed so much when I got healthier because I started really appreciating living and existing in my body and the fact that we were on the same team. And it's not me against my body, but we're synergistic and I have to treat my body really well. And I really am. I'm grateful that I learned how to do that before I gave birth because I work with a lot of moms who are feeling really run down and they will do anything for their kids. They'll do anything for them. They'll cut up the most beautiful, aesthetically pleasing snacks and buy them anything they want. But to take 10 minutes for themselves, it's so hard. And I feel grateful that I was able to build up the habits before my kids came into the world. And I think that really we as women, we're amazing and we don't deserve to have these statistics be that high. I don't believe that diet and lifestyle can solve everything. I think medicine is amazing. Modern medicine has helped so many people when it comes to hormone imbalances and especially when it comes to building their families. But these statistics, they should not be that high. And we deserve to know that there's a lot we could do day in and day out without having to call on a doctor, without having to run into a lab and get things tested just to know how your body works and know how to optimize it and know how to feel really good in your body. So that's really what the goal is here. And just so you know what to expect, I'm going to be doing both solo episodes where we dive into a lot of these different things that I've mentioned here in much greater detail because as I told you, I like to go deep and I think podcasts are a great way to do that. And I will also be bringing on incredible guests. I am so excited. I've actually done a bunch of the guest interviews and I have incredible doctors and health coaches and physical therapists and trainers and acupuncturists and energy healers and all different sorts of people that are involved in women's hormone health who really just have the same goal. They want women to feel amazing and learn and understand more about their bodies. I'm so excited to be able to deliver all of this information to you. And I just want to say for everyone who's listened this far in, I'm so, so grateful to have you here. I'm honored to have you here. And I'm really proud of you for being here because I think there's so many things out there that we can consume. There's probably more content being produced today across social media and podcast channels than you'll ever have time to even listen to in your entire lifetime. But you chose to take the time to learn about your body because you must think it's important. And I just want to say I'm really proud of you for doing that. 
it was not easy for me to get to this place. I felt like I almost had to hit rock bottom with my health and fertility to have any interest in learning how to take care of my body. And so the fact that you're here, it says a lot about you. And I am really glad that you're here. So I would also ask you, I would love to hear your feedback. I'm super excited about the podcast. And I have literally in a notebook, I have a hundred ideas for episodes and guests that I want to talk to and different topics that I want to dive deeper in. But I want to hear from you guys because this is for you also. So tell me on Instagram, message me or send me an email at laurenallennutrition at gmail.com. Let me know what you want to hear more of on this podcast, what topics you would love to dive deep on. And if you are here for this, if you want to support me on this journey, please leave a rating and review on Apple or Spotify, or take a screenshot of this episode and share it with a friend, share it with your mom, share it with your sister, share it to all your followers on Instagram, because I really believe that the more women know about this, the more that we can help women worldwide really feel great. We can really change these statistics and we can help women feel better in their bodies and learn how to take care of themselves. So thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode and I cannot wait to start this podcast journey with you all. So thanks for being here and I'll talk to you soon.